Hi, this is Stacy Wynn from Clarity Unleashed. I want to welcome you to a two-part podcast with my friend Angela Roberts. Before we hear from Angela, I want to introduce you to some terms that we're going to use and just some background information on the topic of inclusion and exclusion and what uh, also deconstruction means and how it plays into our conversation over the next two episodes. So here we go. what propels me on my own spiritual journey are the words the Holy Spirit gives me. And they seem to signify chapters or seasons in my own life. And early last year, 2019, I awoke to two words that were echoing in my mind, inclusion and exclusion. And since then, I've met many women and men who are living in the tension between the two. Just like he did in scripture, God meets us in that tension and he invites us to wrestle with inclusion and exclusion. And as we start today's conversation with Angela Roberts, I invite you to consider how we as Christians build walls around those we consider as included and how that excludes others. And then consider the inclusivity that God literally brought to earth through the life of his son. Jesus' death brought the Holy Spirit, who profoundly changed how human beings experience God's inclusivity. Not only are we made in his image, but his very spirit lives inside us. And as individual believers, we know that because of that, there are literally no walls that could ever separate us from God. And deconstruction is a term you'll hear today. My definition of deconstruction is that place of tension and wrestling. It has everything to do with inclusion and exclusion and with living with the spirit inside us while our bodies exist in this natural world that is full of walls and traditions that do not encourage inclusion. And that's the struggle that deconstruction brings. We see the walls and traditions around us and evaluate those against the spirit within us. And there's a pain that comes from that process, but also a peace and a beauty too. Deconstruction is a very intensely personal reconciliation, but it's comforting to be in community with others during the process. And Angela is one of those people who I'm blessed to be on this journey with. Today, we hear her story and testimony and get the opportunity to see how the Holy Spirit has and continues to bring her clarity. is a daughter, a sister, wife, and a mom. She's a former pastor's wife and missionary, and she's been involved in ministry her whole life. Angela and I met through the Deconstruction Zone, which is a community of women that meets on Sundays on Zoom to discuss theology and faith. And she and I share part of our testimony in that we've both left destructive marriages. So Angela, 
as you've navigated through a destructive marriage and the impact that that's had on your family and ministry, that process um, helps us to see, unfortunately, what it's like to be in relationship with an unloving person. But the flip side of that and what I'm excited to hear from you today is that, you know, we also get to see what true love looks like. So to set up our discussion today, Angela, I'd like for you just to take a moment to introduce yourself and kind of give us a look into the past few years of your life. In the midst of the pain of your separation and divorce, you found love. And right before quarantine, you were lucky enough to marry your best friend, Chrissy. So this season of your life is one that you've said has renewed your faith and perspective of the freedom that Christ brings to our lives. And I'd love to hear more about that. So with that, I'll turn it over to you. All right. I'm excited to be here and share a little bit of my story and background. Um, I am from the great state of Texas, born and bred here. Um, I grew up in a very Christian family, generationally Christian family. Um, and both of my grandfathers were involved on, in the Southern Baptist world and uh, state and national levels and some even international. And so it's very, the, the blood runs deep in that, um, in the Southern Baptist world. Uh, so when I um, was about nine years old, I was at kids camp and felt God very clearly calling me to be a missionary. Um, and throughout my teenage years and into college, um, that was over and over reaffirmed through um, different mission experiences that I had. Um, just out of college, I was married at 22 and uh, my now ex-husband was a youth pastor and I loved being a pastor's wife. I um, took my calling as a pastor's wife and ministry very seriously. Um, I loved to invest in the youth that were in our ministries. And then eventually we also worked at a uh, children's home here in Texas as house parents, um, which I called extreme youth ministry because <laughs> um, they were still their teenage girls and had lots of um, excitement that came with that. Um, after we were married about 10 years, um, we left traditional ministry and went to the mission field um, as missionaries with the Southern Baptist Convention. And we uh, initially we were in Poland for about five and a half years. And then uh, we moved to London for the last two years. Um, Poland was really good. I really loved um, doing what we did there, but it was getting pretty hard and I could feel some of the toll that it was taking on our family um, as far as language and culture and some um, just various things uh, while we were there. When we got the opportunity to go to London, um, I really prayed um, that God would just use that to kind of bring healing um, to our family, uh, that it would put our family back together. We would be in an English speaking culture um, with a bigger team from America. And I just was hoping there would be a lot of healing that could come. Um, but unfortunately, um, the healing that I thought was going to come didn't, and things only got progressively worse um, while we were there. Uh, so by the end of our time, I knew 
that I couldn't stay married anymore. I had put as much effort as I could into my marriage, um, genuinely wanting it to last forever, as was my intention from the day I said I do. Um, but sadly, I knew that it, it took two people and I wasn't, it wasn't going to ever get better. Um, and there was a lot of unhealthiness that I began to really see at one time. I felt like the scales had just fallen from my eyes and it was like everything in my marriage that I thought was how marriage should have been. I realized there was a lot that was not healthy or how either of us should have been treated or loved or, um, what God wanted for a marriage. So I knew that I was um, coming back to America um, to change my life drastically. But in the process, um, I met and became very, very close friends with um, a girl named Chrissy. And we worked together on the same team. And as my marriage was kind of ending, I began to realize that I had much more than just close friendship feelings for Chrissy, um, which then totally um, opened up a whole other world <laughs> of unexpected, um, searching and learning and kind of, ah, what do I do with this? Um, I tried not to tell her and to dismiss the feelings, but they only got stronger and stronger. Um, and by the time I did tell her, I honestly expected her to tell me that I was crazy, but instead she said she was feeling the same way. And so that kind of sent us into, um, kind of a journey of like, what are we going to do with this? How do we, how do we navigate all of this knowing that as Christians, this is wrong um, from what we have been taught. And so that kind of brings us up to today where obviously we've worked through that and we're married. Um, we've been married for uh, six months, maybe now. So yeah, you, you got married right before the pandemic. Yes, we got married in February and then all moved in together with my kids literally the night before school was canceled and they never went back and then quarantine happened and we have been 24-7 together since March. <laughs> so you sort of glossed over this huge monumental like shift in your perspective of faith and I mean, you've told me before that you were never attracted to women. Mm -hmm. So here you find yourself, you're going through, you know, you're heading into divorce, which is stressful enough for someone in ministry, right? Because oftentimes the church really has people in the church have an issue. And you being so heavily involved in ministry leadership, I'm sure that was the issue for you too. So you're having to navigate all of this. And then you also have these new feelings that you didn't expect. So tell me, I'm going to make you go back and instead of glossing over it, <laughs> dig into that a little bit more. So kind of how did the Holy Spirit meet you and all of that and, um, and give you peace through your process? Okay. Um, so... Yeah. Um, obviously, I was at a point of ending my marriage, but it wasn't ended when I started having these feelings for Chrissy. Um, and so that caused a whole other messiness that didn't add. It was it didn't make the divorce process any easier, for sure, um, in a lot of ways. But um, I have never. Yeah, like you said, I've never been attracted to girls or thought of that. I I don't. 
I don't know that I call myself gay necessarily. I think I can look back and maybe see some, maybe some hints of ways that I might have been and just knew that it wasn't okay and never even gave it thought. Um, but I've never been attracted to girls. Um, and even when I was beginning these feelings for her, I would try and look at other women and think, am I attracted to them? But, um, I never, I still never had those feelings. It was just Chrissy. Um, and she would say the same thing. We just, it was just each other and we just love each other. Um, but I, I think that if I had been intentionally trying to find somebody else as my marriage was ending, it definitely would not have been a female. Um, I would have, I think I don't intend to ever have an affair, but I think it would have been a man I would have looked for. Um, but instead it was this woman and I honestly for months prayed um, because my feelings just kept getting stronger in my connection with her. And I prayed that God would really take those feelings from me because I knew they weren't quote unquote right. And it wasn't okay for us to be together or to have these feelings or thoughts, especially while I was in the process of being married and ending that. Um, and I, at the same time was praying that God would give me the love for my husband that I needed to have, that I should have had. Um, and this was like several, several months of praying, like very intently praying for that. And my love for Chrissy only grew stronger and my relationship with my husband only deteriorated. And I, um, it sounds like such a crazy wrong backwards thing, but I can't, I can't define it or say it, explain it away in any other way, except that I believe that God really brought Chrissy to me at just the right time. Um, I think in that time too, I, I was maybe 37 at the time. And I, so I'm older than a 22, 20 year old, um, falling in love. And, it, and I started to realize what love felt like, what love felt like for me to give to somebody, but also to receive love back. And it was something I had never known in my marriage. And it wasn't a, Oh, the, you know, the grass is greener. I'm going to go over here. It was like a genuine, I knew things weren't always going to be perfect. I knew that the quote honeymoon phase would end and all that, but I really understood the depth of love, the desire to be selfless, to give to her, to um, allow her to love me, even my in, in my vulnerable parts and um, not always nice looking pieces, um, but just to really, um, I would say love each other like Christ loves the church, like it says in the Bible. Um, it was just a completely different relationship. And there were times that we would have disagreements or fights, but it was like we could always come to it with humbleness and eventually sometimes it was a little stronger than that, but humbleness and hearing what the other person had to say. And that was different than something I'd ever been a part of in my marriage. It was never that way. Um, and so walking through 
all of that, we kind of had four options, I would say, um, as far as our future. So we could one, just end our relationship and walk away, say, this is wrong. This is crazy. We're not supposed to do this. We tried to do that several times and it might last four or five days. And we were like crushed, sobbing, like 17 year old girls whose boyfriends had just broken up with each other, which is not like either of us, but we were like, it was awful. And so then we would find our way back to each other after that. Um, but so that was one option, which obviously didn't go very well. The other one was to just go, okay, forget it all. We're just going to be together. Just throw caution to the wind and forget everything else. Um, two, we could remain friends, but just not have an intimate relationship, which I think would have been really difficult. Um, or number four, which is kind of where we landed, was to, to just take a step back, to reevaluate everything that we had learned, been taught, studied, known as true. And as you've said, deconstruct all of that and then reconstruct it into where do we stand today? Um, one of the turning points for me, um, was that Chrissy, her aunt is gay and is married, um, to her wife. They've been together 20 years or so. And Chrissy kind of was able to talk to them about our relationship and something that they both said was, if this love is as real as you're saying, you need to hold on to it and don't let go because it doesn't come around very often. And for me, it was like, okay, that's what I needed to hear. Don't let go. Um, but there was also all the scripture side of it. And so um, as I'm ending my marriage, I kind of had to put a lot of my energy and focus there um, to, to end well, to be respectful to him, um, to help my kids navigate this big change that was coming. Um, and so I couldn't, I didn't have the freedom to go and talk a lot to other people about my feelings for Chrissy. So Chrissy had that opportunity because she was single. She's never been married. We're the same age. We're about six months apart. Um, she'd never been married. And so she was single and, and also has never been attracted to women. So she, um, talked to, we were at the time in London, she was able to meet with an Anglican priest who was actually gay. Um, and, and he let her ask all of our questions that we had and answered them very graciously for about two hours. Um, also back in Pennsylvania, she met a professor from a university who um, teaches ethics and I don't know, some other stuff. Anyway, she um, gave Chrissy like this big textbook type um, I guess it was a textbook to just read through that was very academic. Um, but there was a whole section in there, um, on homosexuality and on both sides of the fence, um, just to study. And then also pointed her to a Catholic nun who was a lesbian and, and Chrissy, she was maybe 90 years old. So Chrissy was able to talk to all of these people and begin to hear different perspectives for us. We needed the other perspectives because we knew the one side, we knew all the right answers to say in this, but we also knew there were people who loved the Lord passionately and were also gay or LGBTQ. And so we needed to hear their side. We needed to learn the other side. And also we just prayed with an open hand, our entire um, relationship before marriage, that if this wasn't right, that God would take it from us, that he would take our feelings for each other and um, 
just direct us in a different path. And that, again, it just never happened. And so um, after my divorce had been final and um, some time after I told my kids, uh, we planned a wedding in three weeks and um, got married. And it was like the most, it was February 2nd. So, you know, middle of winter, but we're in Texas and Texas is crazy, but it was the most beautiful day. It was 80 degrees outside, blue skies. We did the wedding outside, ate outside. It was like the most perfect day. And there was about 15 people there that were like just the closest, you know, supporters and friends. And it was, it was just perfect. So that's kind of the terms exclusion and inclusion at the beginning of the podcast. So when you think about those words and your journey over the past few years, kind of what, what resonates with you in terms of how you felt exclusion and inclusion and kind of how you've processed through those times? Um, I think that I have felt both of those um, at different times. Um, And I think I felt them in surprising ways. There's been times that I was expecting to feel included, although we're different. And when it came down to it, there was a lot more exclusion. Um, And then there were times that I was waiting for everybody to put up walls and they opened doors. And so there's been kind of both and. I think we'll talk about maybe allies in a bit, but um, some of my friends from the past, um, when like I didn't tell people for a long time that my marriage was ending and I just wanted to, I'm just kind of a private person. So I just was keeping that to myself. Um, But when I started kind of talking to people, oftentimes I would kind of own my part of it and downplay his part because I didn't want to either one sound like I was a victim, poor me, get sympathy or two, I just didn't want to um, be disrespectful of him. I was trying to, um, just be, just be kind. There's not a reason not to be kind. Um, but I had a couple friends that would, that specifically said to me, okay, it can't just be one-sided. There can't, there's, there's more to this story. And so when I was able to share my whole story, um, they were super supportive and, um, both are very affirming. Um, and so it just like that made, it a soft place to land. Both of them gave me the opportunity to be me um, and and evolve and become who I am today. Um, and that was like a good safe place. Um, my counselor uh, really surprised me whenever I first got back. I didn't know him, but when I first got back, I had taken my kids to see him and then ended up seeing him myself. And I'm still with them with him, but they aren't. Um, but he did not look like he it was at first Baptist church. He was a white male, looked very um, uh, conservative, but my perception of him was wrong too. And he um, has been very um, supportive and um, 
and encouraging. He's allowed me, he's, he's helped me to see the more unhealthiness of my marriage, but at the same time, um, been very encouraging and supportive of my um, relationship with Chrissy. And so those are kind of some surprising inclusive, um, situations that I was in. Um, the exclusion has come more with people that are closer to me, like within my family, where I thought I, we have a very close family. And so even if we don't agree, it was still like, my expectation was, we'll just, we'll get through this. It'll be fine. Um, and we worked, I worked really hard to try and continue to show up and to be who I was now. Um, but that's still a work in progress and it's been a lot more exclusive that they just, as much as they tried to say they wanted to be supportive, um, it's been a lot more of a difficult journey for them, um, especially to allow Chrissy to be a part of the family, um, which is hurtful then to me because this is my person. And sometimes I want to show them, a lot of times I want to show them how much happier and healthier I am. but it's become more of a challenge to do that because I feel like I'm constantly on the defense to show them, but, but we're okay. We're good. We're this and this. And my defensiveness then overtakes. It's like goes to the opposite extreme of where I'm trying to prove we're okay instead of just being okay. So that's like feeling excluded from my family has been a lot more um, hurtful and difficult um, as well as just in my church that we were attending when we first came back. Um, I was very open and honest with the pastor and his wife and about my relationship with Chrissy. And they initially again said, Oh, it's fine. You're, we always want people to come and to feel welcome in the church. And I believed that I truly believed that, that it was going to be okay. And I wanted Chrissy and I to be able to go to church there to show them a difference. Um, but they, again, it was similar. They just didn't have the same, um, values. And so, um, we don't, I don't attend church there anymore because it was just not a safe place. So, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So I, I have a feeling you've probably had the opportunity to talk to other Christians who might be going through a similar kind of a, uh, introspection about their identity and how they view themselves and the context of that traditional church experience. So has that happened for you? And and how would you um, give advice to others that are going through uh, that process of of determining really where their identity is based and and what's valuable to them in terms of relationship um, and just being authentic and also facing that struggle of inclusion? Yeah. So like I'd said, I've been in ministry really since I was a kid. Um, and now, um, I work in a secular job. It's really my first time to work in the last couple of years, um, for the first time in my adult life, cause I was a stay at home mom before. Um, but I'm in the secular world and I feel like there's been way more opportunity for me to be my authentic self and um, just share God's love with people around me. I think the pressure is off of, I got to flip this conversation. I've got to get into sharing the gospel and all that. Um, But I've had, I work in a warehouse with like five to 700 people. And initially I was just a 
um, quality control associate. Um, but I would stand around and God um, allowed like random people to just get in conversation with me. Um, and there was probably five or six different people at work. I'm now um, in an office coordinator position, which gives me the influence for the whole warehouse. I can, I'm talking to people all the time, which I absolutely love, but I've met several people who, when they find out that I had a girlfriend or I'm married now to a woman, um, it's one surprise to them, but two, um, they have specifically said, how can you do this? One, one person I was talking to like literally lowered her head and was like, how do you have a relationship with God? and also have be in a relationship with a woman that doesn't that doesn't go together I was never allowed to do that and these are people who are are gay like I would say legitimately gay um but they're gay and they have either grown up in the church or have parents who are very Christian and they've been told that they can't be a part of the church if they stay in their same-sex relationships and I you know like I've I I can't open the Bible. I can't show you a verse that says black and white, this is right. And this is why it's okay. Um, But I've studied and I've tried to learn the cultural side of what was happening in the Bible and how some of these verses that we look at that say, you know, black and white, this is wrong. um, If you read them within the culture, there was a whole lot more going on um, that could have had to do with more, um, power over somebody or, um, lust and, um, just dominance versus, um, monogamous loving relationships. And so, um, I've been able to just kind of share my testimony and, and talk about how I, how for me, I never felt that God was disgusted with me. I never felt that God, I I never felt shame to pray about my relationship with Chrissy. um, And that I would, I would encourage them to just be open and to pray about um, who they are with God. If that's important to them. Um, I'm never going to sit with somebody and say, Oh yeah, it's totally okay to be gay. Um, because I think it's a very personal journey. Nobody could have done this journey for me. I had to do it myself. And so I would tell them the same thing, but I would use Psalm 139, which is, um, talks about like you're fearfully and wonderfully made, um, that God created you exactly who you are. Um, and we, we all have flaws, but I don't think that this is a flaw. I don't think that this is something wrong with you. Um, and I believe that God created all of us to be loved. And it's hard for me to sit back and say, yeah, God created all of us to be loved, but this whole group of people that really feels the same sex attraction, sorry, you guys are, are an abomination to him. When God says in John three sixteen, but God so loved the whole world, the whole world. And so that feels very exclusive. And I don't feel like that's who God is. Um, And also um, the verse that says um, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. I would also really encourage them with that too. And just for me, at the end of the day, maybe I get this wrong. Maybe there's a lot of things we're all going to get wrong at the end of the day. But I, in my heart, believe that God is looking at it and knowing that I was genuine in my search. And so 
outwardly people are going to judge us how they're going to judge us and they're going to see um what they're going to see but it's a personal relationship with me and god and for them also with their with their relationships and with god it's their personal journey and so they have to um they have to work that out for themselves but i'm always going to stand by their side i'm always going to love them and and encourage them no matter which direction they go and some of them there was one girl who really really was struggling and there were times that she would go into deep depression because she was she'd been raised in a christian home she had been involved in ministry and and it was just this battle of over her sexuality on an ongoing basis. And I, that just breaks my heart. And I just, maybe this is too bold. I don't know, but I'm not sure I want to be in relationship with a God that is that exclusive. That is that, that feels very cruel to me that he would create somebody that is going to struggle that strongly just to be loved because we all, that's who God is, is love. And that's what we all desire is to give love and to receive love. So that would be my words of encouragement to them is just to really pray, seek God um, and, and to get quiet with him and not kind of try and tune out all the other voices of people around us. Thanks for listening to part one of this conversation with Angela Roberts. This is Stacy from Clarity Unleashed. I look forward to seeing you again next time. We're going to dig in a little bit more into what it means to be a good ally to the LGBTQ community. And I'm excited to share some of the resources that Angela provides that have been really helpful for her in her journey. So tune in next time to Clarity Unleashed. Mm-hmm.